0: Hey, funny people, thanks for joining me here on this episode of 4 Cents a Podcast. We're going to have some fun because I've got something to talk about, so stay tuned. Hello, funny people, and welcome once again to 4 Cents a Podcast. I am your host, Ian Martinez-Kasmeyer. I hope everyone's been having an interesting week. My week was interesting, but in a nice, quiet way, nothing major to report. Actually, I thought I'd tell you a fun little story, but before we do, we have to address this ridiculous headline that I saw earlier this week. Um, you know, as usual, here in the United States, our politics are just you know they're they're a hot mess, because of course, obviously we're all still trying to combat the COVID vaccination vaccination resistance that's here in the states, but we've already dealt with that. Now, uh, we've got a brand new piece of legislation that's heading towards it called the For the People Act. Actually, it's not brand new because everybody knows about it, but it's the its the new reinforcement of the old Voting Rights Act that, um, of course, was part of our Constitution up until a couple of years ago, until it was thoroughly kneecapped by the supreme court and now apparently the same two old devils that have been basically acting as an ultimate pain in the ass to the senate are back at it again joe manchin and you know her ship, kristen cinema are back to their old tricks not towing the democratic party line but are we at all really surprised at this point I mean think about it. Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema both run on platforms, both ran I should say, on platforms that were very conservative for Democrats, mainly because they had to, because considering the states they're from. Kristen Cinema's from Arizona, of course, one of the two, the other being uh, our wonderful astronaut Mark Kelly. But then you got Joe Manchin, who is the only Democrat elected from West Virginia and the only reason that he has a job right now is because he runs a conservative campaign every single time. Uh, I don't know how many of you saw that Netflix documentary Break Down the Walls, which uh, covered Cori Bush's first uh, congressional run here in St. Louis when she was going up against Lacey Clay, but also uh, AOC's run that got her elected uh, up in New York when she uh, unseated uh, that dude Crawley, I think that's his name, maybe I'm forgetting, but uh, anyway, a long-serving Democrat who had been a a prime mover and shaker in in the House for many, many years and had been a, a noted ally of Nancy Pelosi and so forth, and she unseated him, amazingly enough. Because she was new and she had fresh ideas, and you know, thankfully, it, it, it's worked out for Cory Bush, of course. And her first run didn't succeed, but she ran, uh, but she ran a very successful campaign the last go around, and she succeeded. And now she's the representative here in St. Louis for the St. Louis area, and I'm happy to have her as a representative. But then, of course, we got uh, we've got Kristen Cinema, and you would think that after the results of the Presidential election, that she would stop playing, you know, the Marie Antoinette role of of the being this uh, of of the Senate at this point. You would think so. You know, the fact that Arizona, a state which has traditionally been a red state, I mean, let's face it, John McCain was elected and reelected and reelected from Arizona for a long time, and had traditionally been a conservative state, and then all of a sudden in this last national presidential election it completely turned uh and it it had already begun to turn i should point that out by the way uh, by the fact that mark kelly had been elected and he's a democrat he's a moderate admittedly but he's you know not a pain in the ass moderate uh but then cinema comes along and she unseated a a, a sitting senator in 2018 by a three percent margin which is respectable it's not a lot but it's enough um really, 1% is enough to win an election, but anyway, so ever since then, she has felt the need to be this horrid stick-in-the-mud when it comes to progressive causes. Now, we we shouldn't be surprised at Manchin at all. Uh, Anybody who is surprised at this point is not paying attention, but cinema, you would think that the change that has happened in arizona which who knows if it'll be a permanent change but the the turnover uh, of it being this long-standing red state that has suddenly gone blue largely due to the probably considerable latino population that's there now that has finally taken an interest in politics on a national scale and possibly a local scale Um, you would think that she would stop acting so rude and actually get with the program, especially with regard to the For the People Act. But I just recently read that apparently the two of them were somehow rewarded by another government agency for opposing it. Um, you know, follow the money, go figure, that's politics. But anyway, um, <laughs> the funniest line out of this whole thing is still going to be that line that I saw early on Monday about Joe Manchin. He has officially been dubbed by a very progressive representative in the House right now as the new Mitch McConnell. I would like to point out to that representative that First of all, we don't need another Mitch McConnell, the old one, and he is old, like I think he dates back to the Pliocene, is still there, and he's still being a pain in the ass, and we need to stop the infighting and try to convince these two to get with the program, because otherwise these very important bills are not going to get passed. We need the For the People Act because there are, you know, at the moment, there are all these restrictions going on all across the country as a result of the way that the 2020 election for the president was run. And they're making things harder and harder, including here in my home state of Missouri. But it's across the board. It's across the board. And it's really, really annoying. I would like it to change. I really would because I'm I'm sick of... I'm sick of these legislators who claim to be doing things that are supposed to be good for the people, for the people that they are supposed to represent, when in fact all they're doing is trying to hold on to the little bit of power that we, the people they represent, gave them. And here they are trying to maintain it as best they can by creating all these arbitrary voting restrictions. I mean, they've done pretty much everything except, you know reinstate literacy tests at this point like oh can you read this no then leave um (laughs) it's it's ridiculous but anyway that's I I I don't want to talk about the news anymore so instead what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you an interesting little mini story real quick um and it has to do with my COVID vaccination so uh about hmm let's see Actually, I've got my COVID card right over here because I keep it very close by. So I got my first vaccination uh, the, the 14th of April. And I got my second one at the beginning of May. And um, interestingly enough, you know, I, I talked about it last week, and we don't need to talk any more about it than that, really. But when... Uh, About a week before that, about a week before I went to go get my COVID vaccination, because the the city of St. Louis, we've been doing this very interesting thing for the last couple of months, and I'm not entirely sure they're doing it now, because I know the Dome is being used to to host some Olympic uh, gymnastics tryouts here. Uh, Several very noted Olympic gymnasts, both male and female, are actually here to... Basically, get judged and decide whether or not they're going to compete in Tokyo, which I think is actually quite amazing—the the fact that that's happening. But it is happening, so the tryouts are being held here. But up until recently, uh, the dome had been used as a major public uh, vaccination hotspot. Basically, the National Guard had been employed to uh, administer as many vaccinations and you could literally you didn't have to do anything in order to get a vaccination at this site all you had to do essentially was show up and if you didn't know about it or if you heard about it from a friend you could go you could register it online they would do all that stuff for you there I know because I didn't necessarily um I don't remember actually doing that myself. I think my parents must have done that for me or maybe it was my brother, you know, cuz I'm it's not that I'm I'm computer illiterate. It's just that I, I don't trust going onto certain websites on my computer. <laughs> I'm a little bit paranoid that way. I'm more afraid of ransomware at this point than the coronavirus. Cuz I have a mask, but ransomware can get in through Wi-Fi. So, anyway, um so I went down to the to to the uh, site, and I was able to speak to all these lovely people, who all just wanted to do the job that they were there for. Taking a sip of water. Hang on a second. There we go. So. I get down there and I get my first vaccine three weeks later because I had the Pfizer, uh, which kind of sucks because, it, you know, there, there's that news that the Delta strain that was originally found in India, that's the vaccine that's shown to be the least antibody reactive uh, to it. But, you know, it is what it is. If I need a booster shot, I'll get a booster shot, like I said last week. But, I, you know, I go back there three weeks later and I get the second shot And I'm none the worse for wear. As a matter of fact, I didn't have very much of a reaction to the COVID shots. A little stiffness in both my arms, uh, which lasted all of 24 hours. And the second shot, I was a lot more tired than I was the first one. I mean, I went to bed at like 7 that day. (laughs) And I don't usually go to bed um, that early. I I usually do go to bed at a time that has a single digit in the hour spot, but it's usually not... Uh, p m let 's put it that way, so anyway um, and i I actually made a point of telling people about this place because it was a smooth process, it was almost never crowded uh, you were in and out within you know you you save the 15 minutes or so in order to wait to make sure you don't have any major reaction to the vaccine and there are people there who will help you I mean the place is full of doctors and nurses for Christ's sake so of course somebody's going to be able to help you and you're not too far from a hospital because St. Louis is full of them so you're in and out of there within 25 to 30 minutes won't take you more than a half hour Um, but here's the thing. One of the things that they asked me both times when I got the vaccine is whether within 24 hours of go- coming there had I... No, was it 24? It might have been 48. Whether within that time I had had a fever of any kind. And the the truth was no. But exactly one week before I went to go get my first vaccine, I went and got my... first vaccine, like I said, back in uh, April, mid-April, and exactly one week before I came down with this very strange, wasn't really a flu, but it was clearly some kind of reaction to a virus. Um, It wasn't a cold because it didn't last that long, and it had symptoms that were very, very strange, Um, There was a fever, obviously. I came home from work Thursday afternoon, and I took my temperature, and I had a temperature of about 103, which is about, let's see, eh, 7 degrees higher than my normal running temperature. And I could tell, because, I mean, by the end of that day, my energy level was just horrid. I was sweating a lot more. This was before we turned any of the heat on, but thankfully it was a cool day outside. So when I walked home, uh, I was, you know, kept safe from that. Uh, But it was, it was really bad. And then slowly other symptoms began to arise. No coughing. But the next day I did start having uh, sinus problems. I did start sneezing a lot. And uh, obviously I had a little bit of digestive trouble so I knew it couldn't have been a cold because a cold obviously you know it's anybody who's had a cold it's the nose and the lungs and the hacking and the coughing and you feel like a, at some point you're gonna start coughing up blood but it wasn't that bad and I had a headache um, the whole time and it, it was so strange but the, the weirdest part of all was probably the joint pain and I had it in my, especially in my hips, that's where it hurt the worst, and, you know, I definitely, I know a cold, I've had colds my entire life, I live in mid, I live in the Midwest, um, where we have horrible winters, and, um, you know, springs that don't last long enough, and falls that don't last long enough, I know what a cold feels like, And, and I usually get at least minimum, like two, one or two a year, uh, none during 2020 you know why mask and washing my hands because the germ theory is real anyway so i had this this strange spell for about 48 hours of the fever and the nose and the joint pain and the headache and the digestive trouble which i won't get into but and i thought oh shit is this covid Am I am I contracting a case of COVID? Because as I had heard all because I had heard all those stories, and of course I did the stupid thing. I go on Google and I look up all my symptoms. <laughs> Piece of advice. If you feel sick, do not Google your symptoms, because the answer will usually be something mild that you will recover from, the thing you think you have, and then the third thing will always be cancer. <laughs> So don't do it. Don't web MD your fucking symptoms. Just, you know, go to a doctor or wait it out. I waited it out. Within 48 hours, actually the very next day, Saturday, I felt completely fine. A little bit of residual joint pain, but the sneezing was gone. The fever was gone. No more digestive trouble. A little bit of the joint pain, like I said, and that was that. And I thought, what the fuck was this because of course you don't know anymore we don't know (laughs) because of course you you never know anymore with this new thing that's going around so either i had it and i have a robust enough immune immune system i mean go figure i'm 28 but uh i had a robust enough immune system to be able to combat it fairly easily or it was something else i will never know I just thought it was kind of ironic that a week before this happens, a week before I go get the vaccine, um, I come down with this. Who would have thought? Anyway, um, let's move on with the show. I think you're going to enjoy this. Let me tell you a little bit about the main attraction today. So... um, I guess I should set this up. I'll set it up a little bit later in the show. But um, this weekend would have been my 10th high school reunion. And I chose not to go. And I'll go into the reasons as to why, both before and after, the final monologue. But really what I wanted to do this week is I wanted to remember a very good friend of mine. He's still alive, so it's not that kind of... It's not a eulogy, it's just a reminiscence about a very good friend of mine named Tommy. And I hope you'll enjoy that along with the rest of the show. So stick with me, we're going to have some fun. I have to tell you, up until I worked in retail, and hopefully those days are behind me, but up until I worked in retail, I had never spent so much time on my feet, day after day after day, and I gotta be honest with you, because, you know, regardless of what else this show is, I'm all for honesty, but I gotta tell you, if I can ever avoid doing that work, that kind of work, ever again, I'm gonna do it. I don't care what it is. I don't care if I have to sacrifice a newborn to avoid it. Yeah, sorry. Junior's not gonna make it to preschool. This bullshit's gotta stop. Hey, Bob? What? Looks like we got another problem. Oh, goody. What is it this time? It's Billy. He's down on the soundstage talking on the phone to his old high school sweetheart. So, get him to get off the line. We've tried, but he won't. He's holding up everything, and we can't get the ball rolling down there. Oh, get him on the line. I'll talk to him. Okay, hang on a second. Hey, Billy, you there? What do you want? Um, I've got Bob here, and he wants to understand why things aren't moving down on the soundstage. Oh, hey, Bob... I'll tell you why things aren't moving on the soundstage. I'm reminiscing with my old friend from high school, and I'm trying to remember somebody's name. What the hell does that mean, Billy? I'm trying to remember somebody's name, the guy who we threw in that dumpster the one time. What? Yeah, the guy we threw into the dumpster the one time. He's also the same guy we locked into a locker that one time. See what I mean, Bob? Jesus. Who would have thought Billy was a bully? Yeah, I know, but what are we going to do in the meantime? We've got a show running here and we can't get it moving. Well, I guess we're just going to have to let Billy finish his phone call. Yeah, that's what I thought. And in the meantime? Run an ad. It'll take up some space and then we can keep moving. Okay. Sorry, folks. We'll be right back after these messages from our sponsor. This episode of 4 Cents a Podcast is brought to you today by the NALA, the National Association of Limerick Aficionados. At NALA, our members revel in the saucy, suggestive, bawdy, and raunchy world of language. We compose, archive, and celebrate the glory that is the limerick. Join us online at nala.org and sign up for our free weekly newsletter where you'll receive a new limerick every week straight to your smartphone or computer. This week's limerick is a real kicker. That dreadful oaf Adam Divine thought his singing better than mine. So we entered a contest where we each sang our best and the judges ruled, you're both fine. Visit nala.org for more linguistic fun. Today So like I told you in the opener, um, this would have been the uh, this weekend, as a matter of fact, would have been the 10th anniversary of my high school. Uh, graduation as actually that's a little bit inaccurate because the 10th anniversary would have been last month um on the 14th of may that's that would have been it um i know because i don't know why that i have no idea why certain dates stick in my mind but that that's one date that does so it happened um and i chose not to go i chose not to go i elected not to go and there were a couple reasons why the main reason being that um I'm not a party person. Uh, all my hobbies, all the things I enjoy doing, involve little to no human contact. Uh, you know, I, I have the writing, I do this, but I do this on my own, you know, it's a glorified, you know, hour-long monologue, if I'm not too careful, maybe even longer. Um, so it's it, it, it's all stuff that I like doing by myself. The other reason is the fact that the vast majority of the people that I hung out with in high school hung out within high school and could have, could easily call friends and still think of as friends. None of them were going to this thing. <laughs> they're not party people either, or at least they're not. You know, they're they're not um, they're not so sentimental and so wistful for their high school days that um they'd want to reunite with a whole bunch of people and there would have been a handful of folks maybe I, I knew of at least uh, three or four five people who I would have been happy to have seen but the vast majority of them who were going to this thing not so much uh you know we were contemporaries we were cohorts we were classmates but you know, I was not one of those popular kids uh by any stretch of the imagination, and I don't really feel all that nostalgic for my high school days either, Um, although I miss the people, I miss the people I hung out with, Uh, because a lot of them, they were amazing, and are amazing individuals, because they're so strange, you know going to, I went, you know, the, the magnet school here in St. Louis where I went, it's called Central VPA, and it's the arts magnet school. I don't know how many of you listening to this know what a magnet school is, but it's a public school, meaning that it's state-run uh, or state-funded, whatever you want to call it, but it's state-funded, and uh, but it's like one tier up or half-tier up from just a standard neighborhood public school standard neighborhood public school here in St. Louis you do not want to go to because it's usually full of all the people that no none of the other schools want to have <laughs> unfortunately and it sucks but it is the it is basically the next tier up and then above that is basically you know the private schools and some and most of them are associated at least here in this city with um religious organizations namely the catholic church but so we, I, I went to the next year up, because my parents were not going to pay tuition for 12 years of education, 12, 13 years of education, when they had college to look forward to. Thankfully, I screwed <laughs> the universe out of that, even though I didn't make a good use of it. Anyway, so, you know, I I did get to thinking about it, I did realize, and of course, it, it was sort of absent-minded of me to not recognize the fact that this was the case, but you know, we all went through 2020. We were all anxious, and I just kind of forgot that it technically would be my 10th uh, high school reunion as a result of this. But, you know, again, I, I don't regret not elect, electing not to go. I mean, I didn't enjoy my prom. I kind of enjoyed homecoming, my senior homecoming, but I only went to those mainly out of a sense of traditional obligation or a feeling of. Uh, Like, maybe this is something I guess I should do because it's my senior year. I ought to go and, you know, enjoy myself and be around, you know, the people who I've been with or been surrounded by for four years. So, I should go. And I did, and I'm glad I only went to those two also. (laughs) But I did get to thinking that... I did get to thinking about all the people that I knew and I wanted to tell you all the story about one person or as much of that story as I feel I can tell about this one individual. Um, he, he was an old high school friend of mine and then a few years ago after I would gotten out of college and got my first job out of college which was in retail and it was horrible. Uh, uh, we reconnected, and I was able to learn even more about him, because he was very, very different um, from me. Uh, and his name is Thomas, so I really hope you'll you'll forgive me for indulging, but his story's really fascinating. I'm always interested in people who grew up very different from me, because I had a fairly sheltered, normal upbringing. I grew up in a two-parent household. I grew up with siblings, you know, we all managed to tolerate each other enough that we were able to live together for vast expanses of our lives. We were able to do vacations together, you know, it was a classic American middle class upbringing in a fairly quiet neighborhood in a city that has a reputation for being violent, you know, St. Louis, let's face it, it's usually in the top three of most dangerous cities in America. It's usually it, Flint, Michigan, and Detroit, and we all just trade places. But Thomas, on the other hand, he came from the other side of this city in a lot of ways. Uh, And over the years, when I became friends with him and I've gotten to know him... You know, from the memory I had in in of him in high school to the memories I now have of him from more recent years when we actually were working together in the same place, and I learned stuff that um, I was really impressed by. So I just thought I'd share a little bit of that because I'm in a, you know, even though it is my high school reunion, and I even though I won't spend it you know, surrounded by people who probably barely remember me. I do want to take the moment to remember this one individual because he really was fascinating. So, Tommy, or Thomas, as I called him back in high school, I first met him when we were freshmen. But like a lot of people who went to Central, he had been going to school with the vast majority of the people who ended up being part of our graduating class uh, since they were in elementary school. Because the thing about the magnet school system here in St. Louis is that the second you're in it, you can kind of move around it, but there's also this tendency to go through the path of each individual program. Because each school, and each series of schools has its own kind of special emphasis area when it comes to education. Um, central was the high school that most people who went through the arts and performance path of, of uh, magnet schools it was it was the it be it was the end all for them and most people who went to central tended to come from car Lane and those who went to car Lane usually came from well, mainly from Ames, but there's at least one other one that I know of. Um, I, on the other hand, you know, growing up uh, here in this city, I went initially through the STEM path, the science, technology, engineering, mathematics path. Um, so I, I went through that first through Melanthi and then through Compton-Drew. And then in Compton-Drew, I decided to have this this... I guess you could say teenage crisis, and I just I just decided that I wanted to go to a school that would let me learn how to play music. And I did discovered I sucked at it and moved on from there. But while I was there, I learned a hell of a lot, and I met a whole crop of new people that I would not have met had I gone to the Science of Math High School. I would have just been surrounded by all the people who I'd known all the way through elementary and middle school. Uh, so I guess, you know, it, it, was, it was taking that step to make a big change. And one of the people I met when I was there was Thomas. I always called him Thomas. Uh, most other people called him Tommy. I started calling him Tommy after I met him again after high school. But I initially called him Thomas. And Thomas was an interesting character. He was, in high school, probably one of the most talented guitarists that I knew. I remember... At one point, uh, we, one of the rooms in the high school got renovated into, so that way it was kind of a what they called a black box theater, uh, which means that basically in the entire room is solid black, and you, you, there's, there's, sometimes there's a stage, but sometimes all the performing goes on in the middle. In this case, there was a stage, and I remember going to see him perform, and he performed a song called Man in the Box. Which has now become one of my favorite <laughs> songs, uh, and I can't help but think about him whenever I see it because he he played it so well, and it's got that classic opening, you know, boom, 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 da 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 he played it so well and of course when they were doing it because uh, uh, it's a black box theater so it's decked out with proper lighting and everything they cast this amethyst colored light on him on the stage while he was standing there playing his guitar uh you know with with in the microphone in front of him and so it, it, it just made the whole effect all the more cool in my opinion um but he was an interesting guy and he was always someone who was fascinating to talk to because he he always Tommy had an intelligence about him, and still does to this very day, an intelligence and a creativity that's just so encompassing to his character. It's, it's really incredible how smart he was. But he wasn't smart in an academic sense. He wasn't book smart, although he was, he was incredibly streetwise. That's the way of thinking it. He was whip smart. He was, he was always quick. He always had a a very good, sharp tongue that never failed him when he needed it to. He was very good at persuading people to do things, Um, and he always seemed to have this air of control about him. It was something I admired, because I'm an anxious, neurotic butterball, and uh, he wasn't. Uh, He always just seemed to be in control of every situation, and he had this confidence. And I sort that out to the fact of his upbringing, because some of the things I found out about him, not when we were in high school, but later on, were astonishing. First of all, Tommy came from a rough household, uh, to say the least. He was one of these people who grew up with a mother, who was not exactly very good at being a mother, uh, and he grew up with... Have it with 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 a very vague idea of who his father was, apparently, because he was he was named after one man. He he had one man's last name, but he never knew that man. And he but he was always aware that his his dad was not his dad. So it was that kind of a weird situation. Um, and also and I didn't discover this until I actually started working with him. The poor kid, the poor guy, was a Rough to say this, but his his mother was a drug addict, and um, although the one time I actually met her in person, she seemed completely composed. I, I of course wouldn't have known what to look for, but he was a he was a he was a poor heroin baby. Turned out, presumably his mother didn't know when you know that that when when she was pregnant with him that he that she was, and so she took the drugs and it. Thankfully, it didn't seem to really horribly affect him, but came it was it was pretty bad. Just some of the stories he would tell me. Um, thankfully, he was never much into drugs. Although we all kind of hung out in the same circle of stoners and bohemians, and you know, people who liked drinking a lot in high school. I never did, but that's that's that. Um, he was in a lot of ways, now that I think about it, in a lot of ways, Tommy in high school was a bit like the character Loki from the Marvel movies, because he always just kind of appeared out of nowhere. Uh, he would come down the steps, and, you know, we'd say what was up, and, you know, we'd keep going, and we, and of course we had classes together on occasion, and he was just this really, really interesting man, but he was always veiled, to a certain extent, in mystery. Until I just lifted some of those veils and solved some of those mysteries. So eventually, Tommy and I, we we all graduated. We go our separate ways. The next four years, I'm going through college, getting my bachelor's degree, which I got basically for free. I think I told you that earlier. And then I get out of college, and I find it very, very difficult to find a job until so to the point where or at least a job that would pay me decently enough that I could kind of semi-support myself because at the time it was, it was rough going. So I finally got a job, and it turned out I got a job at uh, this, this grocery store chain that shall remain nameless. Actually, can't remain nameless because I need to refer to it every once in a while. So, But because I don't want to get sued, let's just call them schmucks. <laughs> so I get hired at Schmuck's Grocery Store and I go into the orientation. And lo and behold, who is sitting out in front of Schmucks, having a cigarette. He smoked then. He smoked even in high school. Um, It's Tommy. And I couldn't believe it. Like, son of a bitch, what are you doing here? And so we sat in front of Schmucks and had a conversation uh, just before I went in for orientation. And uh, it turned out he'd been working at that particular store for couple of years at that point. He was actually pulling double duty. He was working as a porter. That was the technical... That was the the official title, but everybody knew they were janitors, they were custodians, sanitation engineers, if you want to get really bougie about it. But he was a porter. That's what everybody called him. Um, and he was working some days there, and then he was also pulling shifts at a Burger King that was owned by his idiot uncle, who... <laughs> He told me so many stories about this this fool who was drunk on power, but was such a moron. (laughs) And here's the thing. When Tommy tells you you're a moron, he's this kind of person. When Tommy tells you somebody's a moron, you can be pretty sure they're a moron. And this this man who he'd known since you know growing up i don't know if it was a pseudo uncle who you know friend of the family who had just kind of been there forever and he'd grown up calling him his uncle but at some point tommy told me that this poor man he only had he literally only had one ball and i was like really how did he lose the ball <laughs> and he said And he, he told me he lost it in a very terrible accident, uh, poor man. And he actually used to mock his uh, this, this pseudo uncle who owned this Burger King and worked as its manager every once in a while like um he'd give him birthday cakes, little those tiny little plastic birth, not plastic, but the tiny little birthday cakes that come with the with the with the plastic hardcover. And what he would do is he would have the person who was uh, in the bakery he would just have the, them draw a single ball on top make it look like a seriously I'm not kidding just make it look like like a ball and just give it to him you know for no reason except to break his one ball so to speak <laughs> so Tommy was actually really good at kind of giving me an idea of the situation I was walking into when I started working for Schmucks um, as a deli clerk he gave me a lot of advice and you know be careful who you talk to in, in that situation uh, there's a lot of I think the phrase he used was, there's a lot of snakes in that department, which I don't, you know, I, as I went along, I, I didn't necessarily think that was true, but I, I've always been kind of one of those people who, you know, is willing to listen, maybe not necessarily confirm or deny, uh, and also because I don't tell people anything, I'm a self-concealing person, and, in, in to begin with, uh, wasn't much problem there, so I started working there, and Initially, for the first seven months when I worked for Schmucks, all I did was uh, night shifts in the evenings. I was always on the closing duty. And almost invariably, I would uh, be working alongside Tom because he worked a lot in the night shifts too. What he would do is he would work the night shift as a porter at Schmucks, and then he'd drive his car to the Burger King parking lot where he was supposed to open up on occasion. Um like sometimes they they do this horrible thing where he'd have to work a night shift there, then work a morning shift at the Burger King. And he'd go there and he was supposed to open it up at like five or six AM and he usually would go off at like midnight or something like that from Schmucks and then he'd go over there, park his car there and sleep. <laughs> and I just couldn't help but think you poor bastard. <laughs> but we had some adventures when we were doing those night shifts together um probably the biggest one was uh he was outside the schmucks parking lot and he was you know obviously the porters have to clean up around the doors and he was near uh the door that was very close cuz this schmucks was in a strip mall so he was very near a door that led closer to the hardware store it's in the same strip mall, and he came across this little rubber, almost looked like a water balloon kind of thing, and he found it just in the middle of the parking lot, and he picked it up, and he opened it up, and he found some white powder inside of it. Because, you know, Tommy's the kind of individual who, who would do something like that. Me, I'd just pick the damn thing up and throw it in the trash. But he brings this in... And, sh- and 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 uh, uh, or pockets it and then tells me about it later on because he knows I like listening to crazy crazy ass stories. <laughs> and he tells me that what he found, as it turned out, was this thing called China White. Now, for those of you who don't know what China White is, good. Make sure you never find out what it is. Uh, from first hand experience here the second hand experience that i 'm about to tell you about is fine, but he tells me that China White is apparently a kind of heroine. I did not know this, but my friend uh, one of my friends who actually lives in a similar rough situation that Tommy lives in and grew up in that kind of world of you know the the world of the wire or some shit like that he she actually told me that there 's a street or a stretch of of road that basically goes all the way to Hampton. There's one street called Chippewa here that starts downtown, comes all the way down through the south side and all the way down to Hampton. That's where it ends, the intersection of Hampton and, and Chippewa. And she told me that that is famously known as the heroin strip. And you know this this schmucks was actually pretty far away from the heroin strip, but apparently somebody was trying to must have been trying to you know set up their own little business operation on a satellite area very far away from it so they could make some money possibly and Tommy actually told me that he found this little bag of heroin on the <laughs> right in front of schmucks, and I'm like no say so, and and then I told and then I asked him obviously the stupid things like well, how did you know it was heroin this you know, asking a heroin baby what heroin tastes like, great idea, and he said, well, it's simple, I stuck my finger in, and he did that, he just licked it, like, first of all, that's gross, but (laughs) then the second that it was in his system, because I don't know if you know this, but there's a reason why junkies in all those movies do that thing where they, you know, they wipe out the bag with their finger and then they rub it into their gums because it turns out the mouth is actually very absorbent it can absorb almost anything because of all the glands and so forth that are in here the salivary glands you know if you want something absorbed quickly you either put it in your mouth or you put it up your backside um and he put it in his mouth which is disgusting i found that disgusting and i told him such but then he told me that (laughs) (laughs) then he told me he could feel his eyes dilate or or you know expand whatever it is that because i know there's that visual signal and he could feel it happen and he could feel his heart begin to race i don't know how you know i i really hope that tommy didn't have a lot of those first-hand experiences with this drug that basically destroyed his life but he had it then and he just and he could tell that it was like really good really pure apparently (laughs) And I don't know what he did with it. I actually did kind of morbidly ask him. It's like, what are you going to do with that? And he said, I'll probably sell it. <laughs> Cause that's the world he comes from or find somebody who'll give them a bundle of money. And so they can then sell it. <laughs> Just drop and run, you know, do, do what writers do with Hollywood, you know, take the money and run. God, Jesus. But it's true. This is something that actually happened. Um, and some nights when we were doing those night shifts we would have these just absolutely random conversations. My favorite one that I love recalling to people is the is the time we started talking about theoretical physics. Now I have a layman's understanding of theoretical physics. I'm a, I'm a you know, I'm not a mathematically inclined individual. But I'm not discalculate either and I understand I don't understand the math of something, but I do understand the, um, the metaphorical concept that the math therefore implies. I have a pretty firm understanding of that. Um, and we started talking about multiverse theory, uh, and string theory, which, uh, multiverse theory, they're very well connected. (laughs) String theory, multiverse. (laughs) Anyway, and I suddenly we started just waxing about this stuff and just saying, you know, it, how there's a possibility that the the universe in, that we live in is just one version of it. This is the kind of conversation you have at midnight when you're both drunk. Uh, we were not drunk. We were stone cold sober and we were tired, which is almost like being drunk. And we, we just started talking about how If there are multiple universes, are they universes that are completely different from us, or are they realities, different realities, different possibilities? Um, you know, a sudden sort of garden of forking paths, like Jorge Luis Borges. Uh, is every single decision that we make does it ripple effect through all those universes, or are those universes so strange and different that maybe we don't even exist in some of them? And then I came up with this thought that I thought was kind of interesting like. Uh, that moment where you know the, the concept of deja vu where you suddenly feel like you've experienced something before and i said to tommy well what if deja vu when we have that that moment um because there's this aspect in multiverse theory that says that the universes occasionally intersect at moments where they have this this time when they touch where they touch where they have something in common otherwise they're completely divergent and different and so I said, well, what if every time you have one of those moments of deja vu, that's actually a moment where the two universes touch momentarily for you in a kind of singularity? And Tommy gave me this wide-eyed look like, oh my God, I found a kindred spirit who's as weird and whacked out as I am. <laughs> this is what happens when you think too much. But my favorite memories of Tommy are when he was like telling me bits and pieces of his high school story stuff I never knew about because even though we were close during those high school years uh and we were friends he never told me a lot of things and like I said he was a very concealed shrouded veiled character one of the things he told me is that I said he was very street smart and very good at reading people well he actually the reason why he ended up being able to graduate because he graduated by the skin of his teeth from high school But when he graduated, he was able to do so because he'd somehow found out about these little weaknesses of a lot of the teachers who he had classes with, mainly the academic teachers. Um, the 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 art teachers that he was mainly enthralled with was our our friend Bill Drennan and he was he was a fantastic teacher great guitarist fantastic teacher Tommy adored him everybody liked Drennan I, I can't think of a single person who hated Drennan um, but he was a, a fantastic teacher a great guitarist and he taught us a lot he taught Tommy a lot too and gave Tommy a chance to perform as much as he could so he found out different things about each of the teachers. That I, of course, was fascinated by because I knew none of this. I was not inquiring about any of these things. I had no reason to. I actually did homework and <laughs> did schoolwork and, you know, uh, it was playing, you know, the good academic student, even though I, you know, I'm rubbish at most of that stuff now. But Tommy was actually finding these things out. And in, with certain teachers, he worked out deals with them, so that way he would not tell any of their secrets. (laughs) I'll tell you one. I'll tell you one, because he found, because he found out some stuff about some of these people that I just couldn't believe, but my favorite one was this. So he was taking chemistry. We had two chemistry teachers in the school. One of them was the easy one, and one of them was the hard one. Uh, The easy one was the one I took, because I know nothing about chemistry. So... (laughs) I just, I ended up in his class, and that was that. But Tommy ended up taking chemistry with the harder, more rigorous chemistry teacher. And he never showed up for any of the classes. The reason why he never showed up is that he was, again, digging up all this dirt on all these adults. I guess it was something that he was just used to doing, and he liked finding out this stuff. Presumably so he could occasionally use it. (laughs) And in this case, he did. He found out that this teacher had a gambling problem. A very hardcore gambling problem. Like like GA, Gamblers Anonymous kind of problem. And would bet on anything. Like, it was, was like... One of the Marx Brothers, Chico Marx, had this... It was such a compulsive gambler that... Anything he would turn into a bet and normally lose. Like, his daughter once recalled this moment where... Uh, they were sitting at a, a, a stoplight and they were waiting for it to turn green or waiting for it to turn yeah waiting for it to turn green and he's and uh and, and she asked him "It's like daddy when do you think, think the light's going to turn green and I said I bet you it turns green in five minutes or less <laughs> and, she, <laughs> and, and Chico would just do this he would turn everything into a gambling contest well apparently that's what this teacher would do I never knew that I never took a class with her I never had reason to interact with her so I didn't know this but Tommy did he somehow found out about it how did he find out about it I don't know but he did he found out about it and the first semester no not even the first semester the first quarter really before the midterms he had not shown up to any of the classes and they had words they had words he went up to this teacher and said, uh, oh, or the teacher asked to, asked to speak with him, and and the teacher said, if you haven't attended any classes, you're failing, um, and if you fail this class, you will not be allowed to graduate. And so Tommy made a bet with this teacher. And <laughs> the bet was this. I understand, he said, in his own suave kind of way. He said, I understand. But I bet that I can uh, pass this class. I bet I can pass the midterm with an A, with 90% or better. And if I do, I bet, and I bet you I can and I will, then if I do, you have to pass me for the rest of the year with an A, regardless of what I do. Here's the thing. The teacher actually did it yeah, the teacher actually did it. That's how much of a hopeless gambler this teacher was. I couldn't believe this. And I don't know, and honestly, I don't know if Tommy was just putting me on when he told me the story, but I loved hearing the story because it's so cool. <laughs> it's like I would not have had the balls to do something like that. Boldface, go up to a teacher and say, I bet you that I can pass this with an A, and if you, if I do, and you... You know if you if I fail, then you can fail me for the rest of the year regardless and if I don't if I manage to do it, then you have to then you have to let me pass with an A. I couldn't believe that I would never have done something like that, but Tommy did because he had those balls of steel and he had that experience that grit that came that comes from you know living a rough life so tommy the the teacher accepts it. Tommy goes. I don't know how he studied for it but he studied rigorously he goes he takes the midterm and he passes with an a and the teacher had to either go along with what tommy had suggested or be found out that she that this teacher had been betting with a student that he wouldn't win but he did God damn! I would never have found out about that. It wasn't the only thing I found out about Tommy as well. Tommy told me some stories, some horror stories. Um, one of the things I always found curious about Tommy is that every once in a while, even though we didn't live in the same neighborhood, he would hop on the bus that I was on and go to other people's houses. I didn't realize what was going on. turned out that he was actually uh, getting a room. He was actually sleeping because apparently his ho- home situation was so... Rough that he couldn't always sleep at his house, couldn't always sleep there with his mom. And every once in a while, he would just go over, because the high school was right across the street from uh, Tower Grove Park in South City, and he would go over to a bench and sleep on the bench and then come over to school uh, without having had a shower, without having had breakfast, without having anything. I couldn't believe he'd done all that. And not only that, despite the fact that he had this incredibly hard life, and I'm not saying this to pity him because I actually admire him for having done this and having got through high school, because of course, if if DFS, Division of Family Services or yeah, Division of or DYS, Division of Youth Services as think we call it here. Had they found out about this, had they found out about him going to other people's houses, sometimes having to sleep in the park, they would have taken him in and put him into the foster system. And then God knows what would have happened to him. But he had the independence and determination not to let that happen. And he had a deal, he must have cut a deal with his parents, like, don't tell them that this is going on and, you know, we'll pretend we're a happy family, but I'm not going to stay here whenever, you know, apeshit crazy stuff goes on. So he just tried to live his normal life as a as possible, but then, this was the thing that made me really admire him most, Um, aside from the fact that he was brilliantly funny, it was the fact that, all the way through high school, Tommy had spotted, again, this talent of his at figuring out information about people, finding information about people. He figured out who all the major bullies in the school were going to be and then he made it a point of honor of figuring out all the people who were most likely vulnerable to the bullying for various reasons and I suspect strongly suspect that one of those people was probably me I knew nobody at this high school when I went there I had one friend who no, two friends from middle school, neither of whom stayed for the whole four years, Um, and so I was kind of on my own throughout most of that, until Tommy and his circle, you know, that circle of stoners and bohemians kind of took me in and (laughs) made me their friend. That's basically how I make most of my friends, is I get, you know, I'm a shy, introverted individual who's you know, really self-concealing, and I just get adopted by people. (laughs) It's pathetic, but it's true. Um, but... Tommy had found all that out, and so what he would do is that on a daily basis, whenever he was at school, is he would make sure to... And I don't even know who these bullies were. That's how good he was at keeping them away from us and from everybody else. Um that he had under his wing because I know I probably wasn't the only one but he would go and he would find us and he would just see, you know say hi to us and that would send the message that we were kind of under his protection because it made sense why every single day or almost every single day when we didn't have a class together or whatever we'd see each other in the hall and he'd say hi to me and it it just when I found this out I just kind of cast a whole new glow of respect for him. The fact that he went out of his way to do that, not just for me, but God knows how many people, at least a handful. Um, And I, I can't help but admire that. And I just, you know... To have come from the kind of life that he came from, the upbringing that he came from, and then to become the sort of person who is that loyal and that giving, you know, using that very easily, you know, criminal turn of mind that I know he's got in himself, which is also kind of fun. <laughs> I'm not going to deny I like I like people who have a little bit of a, a dark streak in their personality, but to. Have done all that and to have made life a little bit less painless for other people when your life has clearly not been a joyride. I mean, you can't help but love a guy like that. I just want to say... Uh, Briefly, in closing, that if anybody from the class of 2011 happens to ever hear this, just want to wish you all a happy 10th anniversary. I think the last 10 years have taught all of us a lot about life. It's not easy. There are a lot of bumps in the road. But every once in a while, I think we can all take pause and admit that even though the last 10 years since we all moved on from high school things have been interesting especially this last year it kind of feels like we've been cheated at a whole year of our lives but we're all still alive or at least a good portion of us and as long as you're alive there's always a chance there's always an opportunity and there's always hope that's something worth celebrating i think hey funny people thanks for spending some time with me here on four cents a podcast Until next we meet, stay safe, stay healthy, and bear in mind the words of the great poet Langston Hughes, folks, birthing is hard, and dying is mean, so get yourself a little loving in between. I'll see you next time.